Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. For sharing your Sunday with us, it's good to see you. Who is a uh, who loves chocolate? Who is excited about the chocolate part of Easter? That is coming up really, really soon. So uh, that's good. Well, today we're continuing our series, our Easter series called "The Victory of Jesus." The victory of Jesus. And if you, uh, if this is your first time, you can uh, catch up and follow that series also online on our podcast, which is available on our website. But today I want to talk about surrender. I want to talk about surrender. Now, the most common picture of surrender is, you know, the, the picture of like a bank robber walks into the bank and he puts the gun up and he says, put your hands up. And everybody does it. Why, why do people do that? Because there's this uh, decision-making approach that's happening at that time that says, my life is more important than my money. Therefore, I am going to surrender or submit to a greater power. This is what is happening in this process of surrender. Surrender happens when you submit to a greater power and you make a decision that instead of power being taken away, you choose to give power away. This is what it means to surrender. Surrender means you give power away rather than power be taken away. And today we are talking about the victory of surrender. And the victory that Jesus won on the cross, the victory that has opened the way to eternal life, the victory that has repaired our relationship with God so that we can be at peace with God, at peace in our hearts and at peace with each other, that victory was a victory of surrender. Now you might say that's that's an apparent paradox. How can you get victory by giving power away? And that's what we want to talk about this morning. And we need to be clear about this thing. Here's what we need to be clear about. Jesus's life was given, not taken. Jesus gave his life He surrendered his life. His life wasn't taken for him. Here is the picture of Jesus on the cross. And in Luke 23, 46, it says, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. What was he saying is here is I'm on the cross and I'm surrendering my life to you. Jesus surrendered his life. It was given, not taken. Now, some people think that, you know, well, Jesus, like, he just had a bad day or his running battle with the Pharisees caught up with him or he was just unlucky 
to be in that position at that time. It was an unfortunate uh, congruence of events, but this is not the case. And one of my favorite stories that demonstrates this from the Bible is Luke chapter 4. Okay, so in Luke chapter 4, there's a series of events. Here's what happens. Jesus himself gets baptized. He's filled with the Spirit. There's a voice from God. And he gets baptized. And then from his baptism, he goes into the wilderness and the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness for 40 days of prayer and fasting, which culminates him being tempted by the devil himself. Now, he overcomes that temptation. He returns to his hometown. He goes to his local gathering, his local synagogue, and he opens a scroll and he reads from Isaiah. And as he reads, he makes two claims that are quite scandalous. And those claims are, one, that he is the Messiah, and two, that God's plan is not just limited to the Jewish people, but it incorporates every single person on the planet. Now, this enrages the crowd because they see that as a blasphemous claim. They see that as against the law, against the teachings of Moses and other prophets. And so they get really angry with him. And they, the Bible says that they take him to a cliff and they're about to throw him off it. Now, we don't know exactly what cliff it is, but there is a cliff that we'll see here on the on the screen, this is in the place in Nazareth. It's called the Mount Precipice. So most likely, this is the place that they took him and it said they wanted to throw him off the cliff. Okay, that's a, that's a pretty significant response to a message. So this morning, what we're looking for is some kind of response that doesn't involve killing somebody, but you can smile, you can laugh, you can enjoy yourself. A bit quiet this morning. But do you know what it says? When Jesus is taken to the top of that cliff, it says that Jesus just walked through them. Why? Why did he do that early on in the story, early on in his ministry? Because his life wasn't taken, his life was given and his life was surrendered. And we have to understand that Jesus didn't run out of luck or it wasn't just a coincidence, but he gave and surrendered his life. But not only that, we need to understand that it was the perfect time in God's perfect will. Now, Jesus did not surrender to human forces. He did not surrender to the forces of darkness, but he actually surrendered to God's will. And the death on the cross was not an accident, but it was an act of surrender. Let me say that again. The death on the cross was not an accident, but an act of surrender. The Bible says in, in Mark 14, 36, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he's about to go to the cross. And he prays this, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. God, you can do anything. What an amazing statement of faith. He also says, take this cup from me, meaning 
I know what's ahead. Can you take it for me? Yet, here's the, here's the, the clincher. Not what I will, but what you will. This idea that Jesus is surrendering himself to the will of the Father, to the power of the Father. That is God, God the Father. Philippians 2.18 and said, Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is how the greatest victory that has changed the world, literally changed the way that people think, the way that people act, the way that people treat the poor. So many implications. The reason for that is an act of surrender to God's will. And I want to say this morning that if we are going to see victory in our lives in areas that we desperately need victory, I don't know about you, have you got some areas in your life that you need a breakthrough, that you need God to come through, that you uh, have been struggling with brokenness and you need God to take you through to wholeness. If that's you, then we need to follow this pattern. We need to give up our own plan. We need to give up our own way. We need to surrender our will and our desire to the Father in the way that Jesus did. And we need to give up our patterns. Here are the two main patterns that I see in people's lives. People either have a pattern of self-reliance, their own strength, or a pattern of their own weakness, of their own brokenness. And most people follow, in a, at a macro level, follow that pattern. That they're either relying on the brokenness of their history, the brokenness of their story, or they're relying on their own personal power, their own willpower, their own ability to make things happen. But here's what is true, that it is through Jesus we need to lay those things down and surrender them. Now, it's possible for you to say in this moment, but I'm not good at that. If we were to say, okay, what we need to do is surrender. What we need to do is give away control. We could say, I'm, I'm not very good at that, Andrew. And what I want to say is that most of the time we are actually very good at surrendering, but we just surrender to the wrong things. We just surrender to lesser things instead of greater things. And let me give you an example here, my lovely assistant. Something that is very personal to me. Talking about the power of lesser powers. I have in my hand one of my great temptations in life. Peanut M&Ms. Something that's very personal to me. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, if you've ever had a peanut M&M, but the colours don't mean anything. Okay, so the first time I'm giving my sons M&Ms, they're like, oh, they try one. Personal enjoyment. Got to be some perks. And they try one and they say, oh, dad, that was awesome. I'm going to try a blue one now. And I'm like, go for it. The colours don't mean anything. But anyway... Peanut M&Ms are one of those things 
that when I open that packet, the moment the packet becomes open, something changes. I have some healthy eating goals. I have a desire to stay in shape. I want to make sure that I can be at peak performance and uh, have good energy levels. And so I'll open that and I'll say, look, I'm only going to have five. All right, five is the total that I'm going to have. And then sometimes I like lay them out on the counter or particularly like after three o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. That's kind of like my temptation zone for chocolate. So I'll lay it out and then, and then I'll be like, I'll only have five. And then I put them back in the pantry. So another five and another five. And then after about probably 20, 25 minutes, I'm like, M&M's, I'm, I'm completely yours. And I'm standing there in the pantry and I have colors all over my hands, all the different colors. And I totally lose control and surrender to the power of the M&M. And here's what I want to say is that to embrace the victory of Jesus, we need to quit surrendering to lesser things. Is that a word for some of us here? That we need to quit surrendering to lesser things. I would say that we are fantastic at surrendering, but not to the right things. And this morning, from the story of Jesus, from the, uh, the journey of Jesus to the cross, I'm going to give you five character sketches for five different people or groups of people. And as I was studying the scripture, I found it fascinating because in the story of the death and crucifixion of Jesus, we see that the Bible is actually clear about the lesser things that they surrendered to in order to deliver Jesus to his death or as part of that story. The Bible is clear. They are powerful things, but they are lesser things. And the first one is this. The first group of people is the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were people who had positions of religious authority. They were, in a way, the gatekeepers or the keepers of the law of Moses. But they used to obsess on the minutia, the littlest, smallest details. And they did so in a way that created barriers for people to come to God. They did that in a way that was self-obsessed and self-seeking rather than to allow people to connect with God. Not only that, but the Pharisees over time had created what we call fences around fences. There was the law of Moses, which we see in the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible, but they had added all these other things around them to create this complicated minefield. Not only that, that they were obsessed with getting their own following and doing things that look, made them look good rather than helping the poor and helping the needy. And this made them the prime target for Jesus. This, made them in, this got them into Jesus' bullseye and got them right in the target of Jesus. And he publicly criticized them and they hated him for it so much that the Bible says 
that they hatched a plot and they came up with this design to have him killed, which they were successful at doing him. Here's the question, why did they kill them? And it's actually revealed very clearly by Pontius Pilate. We'll see him introduced later. Matthew 27, 18, it says, It was out of self-interest that they handed him over to Jesus. Another uh, passage, another translation translates it, is, it was out of envy. It was out of their own selfish motivations. It was out of their desire to be greater than him. It was out of their comparison, which became a lesser force that they eventually submitted to and submitted to in a way that saw them do and not follow the law that they claimed that they loved and they committed murder through the death of Jesus. And the Pharisees surrendered to self-interest. That's the first thing, the first lesser thing. Do you see how it is a lesser force, but it is a powerful force in our life? Let's move on to the next sketch, Judas. Judas was the betrayer of Jesus. He was one of Jesus' closest companions. He did life on a daily basis. He saw the miracles. He heard the sermons. He ate meals. He heard the teaching that hardly anyone else did. He saw how Jesus poured his life and his love out for people. But Judas loved money. It says in John chapter 12 that Judas was the keeper of the purse and that Judas used to take money that was designated for the poor and spend it on himself. He used to steal. It gets to a point where this desire, this love, gets to a point where Judas approaches the Pharisees and he asks them this, much, this question, how much money will you give me if I betray Jesus? And Judas surrendered to the love of money. This urge, this desire, it became the driving force for his life. He said, what will you give me if I betray him? Judas surrendered to a lesser thing. The third character, the third sketch is the disciples. And I want to pick up a particular part right before Jesus' crucifixion, right in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is here and he goes with just three of his disciples and he goes to pray. And he says to them, look, I need you in this moment to watch and to pray. The time is very close. And he goes back and his disciples are sleeping. And in that moment, the disciples surrendered to physical exhaustion. Now, I do want to say, and I do want to clarify here, that sleep is good. I do it every night. And some of you definitely need more sleep. Any of the younger mums are like, amen, or dads, younger families, they're like, amen. I'm not talking about whether or not we should sleep or not, or how we should uh, make wise choices. I'm talking about the fact 
that at times in our life, we will have a clear call from Jesus to follow him in a way that causes us to go beyond our physical capacities. He will invite us to say, hey, I want you to go what you, beyond what you think are your limitations in this time, in this season, and I want you to rely on my grace. And it's possible to be in a pattern where we, where we hit a physical wall. You know, I, I know that sometimes in life, when we're connecting with Jesus, there are many days that I'm exhausted so that I just, I feel that the most I can do is listen to the Bible. I don't, I, so there are sometimes I feel like I don't even have the energy to read the Bible right now. I don't know if that's you, but I will listen to the Bible. But there are times when God is calling us to go beyond our physical limitations in order to embrace what he has called us to do. The disciples surrendered to a lesser thing. I've got two more. Two more sketches of characters. The fourth is a guy by the name of Herod Antipas. So he is a he uh, appears in the Bible. His dad was Herod the Great. Herod the Great, self-titled. He gave him gave himself the name Herod the Great. Isn't that good? Andrew the uh, no, not going to work. So his dad was a psychopath, literally a psychopath. His dad was the one that ordered, if you know the story of Jesus, all the boys under two to be killed. That was his dad. But historians tell us that that also included his own son. In fact, one of the emperors of Rome was quoted as saying, it's better to be Herod's pig than his son. Why did he say that? Because Herod followed Jewish law that would not allow him to eat pig because it was unclean. But he, so he wouldn't break that, but he would actually kill his own son. So he was a vicious and violent person. And, and some of that carried generationally into Herod Antipas. So Herod Antipas, he, uh, one of the things that he did is he married his niece, who was married to his half-brother. Okay? So talk about a complicated family situation. So in the story of the Bible, we see John the Baptist actually challenges him on this. And Herod Antipas puts John the Baptist in prison. And then John the, uh, Herod's having a party. And as part of the party, one of the party goers says, I want, I'll give you, a, uh, Herod says, I'll give you a wish. And they said, as my party wish is that you would cut John the Baptist's head and bring it to me on a plate. Okay, this is, this is hectic, right? This is a very depraved person. But we see what Herod had surrendered himself to, is that when Herod is called and Jesus stands before Herod Antipas, Herod says, oh good, I was hoping to see Jesus so that he could perform a miracle for me. Herod was looking for a party trip. And Herod had completely surrendered himself to entertainment. Herod was convinced that the world existed for his personal pleasure. And that was what he had surrendered to. 
Herod surrendered to a love of entertainment. Let me give you the last one here. The last one is Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate, he was a Roman governor. His job was to keep the peace. He was the head of police, the head of the justice system. He had the authority of Rome. He was the one who had the authority to kill Jesus. And he knew that Jesus was innocent. The Bible actually says that his wife had a dream. And he didn't listen to his wife. Probably one of his most greatest mistakes. Anyone married here? And Herod got to a point where it said, the voices around him prevailed. The crowd prevailed. And Herod surrendered to the approval of others. I don't know about you, but in my life, the way that I'm wired, I value the approval of others. And there is this tension sometimes between doing what you know is right, doing what you know is godly, doing what you know that God has called you to, or doing what you think is going to be popular or appeals to others. And and Pilate surrendered to this. The Bible says he he washed his hands and says, hey, this this is not me, this is you. I'm surrendering to the will of the crowd. How often do we surrender to people? How often do we gear ourselves to pleasing others, to the lesser power? Isn't it weird that sometimes we even look to do things to please people that don't even like us, don't care about us, don't have our best interests? Sometimes even with social media, we have the power to please, to do things to try and please people we don't even know. It's a lesser thing. We're just going to be a, a couple more minutes, but let me give you some questions. Let me hit you up with a couple of application questions. The first one is this. Where do you feel powerless? Where you know that Jesus has got something better for you. Where you know, based on reading the Bible or based on other people you might know in a community, you know there is more. You know that there is more freedom. You know there is wholeness instead of brokenness. You know that there is a deeper sense of peace because you know people that carry it, right? But you feel powerless. Where is that? What is that area? We're going to pray the Holy Spirit just even illuminates. I'm not going to ask you to share it, but do you have a sense of what it is? What is it for you? Where do you say, Lord, I I, I fear powerless I would like to move forward in this area but I can't I I don't have what it takes you might say I know Jesus is calling me to do but fill in the gap I want to follow Jesus but fill in the blank 
Where do you feel powerless right now? Where do you know you have the invitation of Jesus to something bigger, to something greater, to something more whole, to something more peaceful, but you can't? It's my first question. Can you put your finger on it? The second question is this. What lesser power do you feel the Holy Spirit saying, hey, there's something that's surrendering, that you're surrendering to. Something that you're giving more power than what it actually has, a lesser thing. Something that you're gearing your life around. Maybe it's the approval of others. Maybe it's a love of entertainment. Maybe the things we talk about, a love of money. You're, you're gearing your life around getting more stuff. Maybe it's busyness and exhaustion. Maybe it's self-interest. I know that these are all big things and challenging things at a heart level. But if we're serious about seeing victory in our life, we've got to say, hey, God, this lesser thing, I actually, I don't surrender to that anymore. I surrender to you. I surrender to you. What does this look like practically? It looks like having a headline or a banner over your life that says, like Jesus prayed, not my will, but yours be done. And I guarantee you, I will give you an ironclad guarantee that if you begin to pray that prayer and mean it, a simple prayer, open your heart, and you do it more than once, more than twice, you actually say, hey, this is going to be a theme for my life. Not my will, but God's will be done. Not my ways, but God's ways. When we set our hearts on that, when we set our sights on that, when we start to realize, and if I'm honest, the approval of others can be a force in my life, but I take it to God daily. And I say daily, God, I want to please you. I want to please you, God. I, don't, I want to live my life not to just to please others, but to please you. That's a powerful thing in your life. You know, the Bible says, and Dave mentioned this so beautifully, John the Baptist says, Jesus must increase, I must decrease. Not in a way that makes you less of a person, but actually a way that makes you fully alive. Because when we surrender our desire to put ourselves as number one and embrace the will and way of Jesus, we become fully alive with the power of Jesus in our life because we actually have power to live in the way that Jesus called us to. Why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to pray. I want to give you the opportunity to respond in a couple of different ways in this moment.
Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. If you just want to uh, include yourself in this idea that you want to surrender something to Jesus. I don't know what it is for you. As I said, I'm not going to ask you. But if you want to say, hey, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me. There's this sense, there's this urge that there is something that Jesus is calling me to surrender to Him. I want to give you an opportunity to include yourself in this moment. Just lift up your hands wherever you are. Yeah, I see those hands. And Lord, we thank you right now. Just thank you for the the grace. Lord, we thank you for your word that says, that declares that your strength is made perfect in my weakness. So Lord, where we put ourselves above you, where we valued other things or other people above you, God, right now in the name of Jesus, right now in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you. We thank you for that. We thank you there's a breakthrough. Just receive that. Just receive that. You might even pray a prayer of surrender just where you are and say, Jesus, I give you this. I give you this thing. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just before we go, while your eyes are still closed, heads are bowed, I want to give you an opportunity For those who have never made that first step, that first decision to say, Jesus, I recognize that you are God. You weren't just a human. You weren't just a teacher or a moral person, but you are God. And I invite you into my heart and I choose to take this first step. If that's you, would you put up your hand and I'd love to pray for you in this moment. Is there anyone here that wants to make that decision or that response this morning? Awesome. God, we just thank you. We thank you for the work of Jesus. We thank you for surrender personified. That you chose, that you so loved us that you gave. You gave your life. You gave your son. And we're so grateful. God, fill us with the desire to put you first. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.